Hello, and welcome to the Generational Cycle Breaker podcast. My name is Natasha, and I am your host, and this is episode six. I have had a bit of a break from publishing episodes. We've had some schedule changes in our family, and so I've just been trying to figure out when I can do recording and publishing of the podcast. Um, So had to take some time uh, to figure that all out, but I think I got it all figured out, and I should be back to posting weekly um, on the weekends, either on Saturday or Sunday. It'll just depend on when I am able to get everything done. I am a stay-at-home parent, uh, first and foremost. So um, sometimes I have to, you know, put that responsibility ahead of any podcasting. But I think I've got it figured out to where I can do the work on the weekends and uh, get an episode out to you. So as far as disclaimers, um, I do want to give you a disclaimer that I am not a mental health professional. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental illnesses. Also, there is a trigger warning on this episode. Um, we will be talking about uh, childhood uh, abuse, uh, adverse childhood experiences, in particular sexual abuse. I did get to interview someone for this episode, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Uh, I did an interview with Vanessa Badger from Cycle Breakers Club, and she is incredible. She is so insightful and has so much great information on healing your trauma. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. So here is my interview with Vanessa Badger. Thank you. Hello, today we have Vanessa Badger with Cycle Breakers Club, and I'm going to interview her about her healing journey. I'm so excited to have her here today. Hi, Vanessa. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, too. Thanks for inviting me on, Natasha. Yes, yes of course. I'm excited to talk today. Uh, why don't we go ahead and start with you uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, great. So yes, I, my name is Vanessa and I am, I'm in Texas right now. I'm born and raised California, Southern California and been out here for maybe six months. I am married to the love of my life. Uh, we actually went to grade school together and uh, we have two boys that are two and four. And I, for, so I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm also, I also have a part-time, I'm building my um, part-time coaching business. And so just taking on limited uh, relationships to, to work with. Uh, but as my boys are entering preschool, I'm having more time. So I've really been enjoying that. And that's all about, it's very much connected to the Cycle Breakers Club, which is a, how we connected on, on Instagram. And uh, so we'll talk about, yeah, definitely let's talk about the Cycle Breakers Club and what that's all about and uh, the, my, my uh, efforts and my, my passion for helping people break free from emotional wounds and uh, limiting beliefs is uh, part of my work, a big part of my work. And that has a lot to do with the, the cycle breaking concept, right? And what yes. we've been through in our childhood and also what's passed on from our, our ancestors, uh, that 
we don't even realize, but it's even been discovered in, in neuroscience and in DNA and epigenetics that we can actually, they're proven we can inherit trauma as well. Yes, absolutely. I saw something not too long ago that was saying that um, basically trauma changes the structure of the brain and can then change the genes that are passed on to future generations. So it's really fascinating, all of the discoveries that are happening right now. It really is. And what's what's even what's even more empowering about this information and these discoveries in science that a lot of us um, I already had a feeling that we, you know, for so many, for so many decades, there's been people that have been investing in supporting others in their healing journeys. And this has been a concept that we all believed in, but now the science is proving that it's legit. And, but here's the empowering part is not only has it been discovered, but that this can happen, but it's also been discovered that we can, we can actually repair it. So it's not that we inherit it and we're stuck with it. We can actually repair it. We can yes. repair our brains and our DNA and uh, down to the cellular level. So that's, that's really awesome it to really know that is. and have confidence in that. Absolutely. That definitely is. And, you know, I just want to say, I just love your mission with the Cycle Breakers Club. I, I really admire it. And I'm so excited to see what you do with it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've taken a little bit of a pause over the holidays and really there's I've been there's been a lot that I have been receiving uh, as far as an inspiration and and the amazing women that I'm working with right now. And so all these things are coming together and I'm also I'm kind of just I'm along for the kind of the ride in a way because I had this vision, but now it's like, okay, let's see how it manifests. Let's see. And it's just one foot in front of the other, you know, when you're like, you're about to hike a huge mountain, you, you know, you just got to focus on one foot in front of the other. So I'm also equally <laughs> uh, excited to see how it evolves as well. That's wonderful. I love that. Vanessa, would you mind telling us a little bit about your healing journey today? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'll share a little bit of my healing journey and how it correlates with the, the concept of cycle breaking. Uh, so first off, I, well, okay. So regarding the cycle breaking and generational trauma, um, I come from a broken home in a way. Uh, that's what they term it. But my, was, my mom was a single parent and divorced my, my father after my little brother was born. He couldn't stop partying. And he wasn't able to step up to the plate and be a father, a grounded father, a present father. And he couldn't really kick that habit. Now, as an adult now, I see that that was just, that was the symptom. That wasn't actually the problem. That was the symptom to the problem. The greater problem was unresolved trauma from his own childhood. Yes, absolutely. Right. And then my mother is also um, a survivor of many adverse childhood experiences and being just uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally hurt so much by her mother that she was taken away and she was put in an orphanage, um, even though she had other siblings. And she's from Guatemala, so she she was, uh, you know, English was her second language. And she had my father, who was an alcoholic. And so there was just a lot of turmoil there. And, and my father's parents, they 
they were also divorced and his and the, the parents of you know the great grandparents they were divorced so a lot of divorces um on my father's side a lot of alcoholism a lot of um lost inheritances because there's we come from in southern california i'm actually the 10th generation of california so there were a lot of inheritances and as we know when you receive inheritances and you know your part you're like a trust fund baby or whatever um you you have you know these freedoms and for some they actually take the wealth and they create more and for others they it never fills this void of their own traumas and they lose it all right and mm -hmm. so that's kind of the that's the the trauma that was inherited on my father's side and on my mother's side um though they were married there was so much uh so much poison in their family uh, a lot of resentments a lot of sexual abuse um there was domestic violence and so my mom came to the states and left you know left that family and i didn't have a lot much to do with my my father's side of the family uh, they were all just kind of um estranged and so the way that i the way that i felt about the families is i felt like okay wow we're just this little pot it was my mom my brother my sister and me and i never felt re like resentment or sadness that i didn't have grandparents or any aunts and uncles or cousins growing up it just was what it was but as I got older and, and what's interesting is that even though it was just my mom and us, I still face, we still face many adverse childhood experiences and we didn't, we didn't escape, you know, the emotional abuse, the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, at least for me and my sister. And, um, and so as I grew older and I started really becoming aware of the healing that needed to happen and becoming aware that I didn't want this happening for the next generation. I knew at a young age that I wanted to be a mother. I loved working with children. And so I, I had this idea and actually it wasn't cycle breaking. I didn't come across the term cycle breaking until a few years ago. And for me, it was the concept that I connected with was I'm going to create a new legacy. And I would tell my brother, I'm the eldest of three. I would tell my brother and sister, we're going to start a new legacy and, and it's going to be different for, for the next generation. And so, uh, and they really have, my brother and sister have broken so many cycles. Um, and I'm so proud of them. Uh, so going back to, so that's a little bit of the overview of the, the generational trauma that I inherited. And so how did I break free from that? You know, that's part of the healing, the healing journey. Yes. Uh, when I, right. So when I was, um, when I was seven, I want to say that's when I started the journey because I told the truth. I, um, I told my mom that I was um, sexually abused by her father who came to visit from her country and that uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to carry that secret anymore. So after I shared that secret, uh, and told her the truth, that's really when the healing began. I still, so then I, I, you know, told the truth and that, you know, that whole situation happened and years go by and I was 10 years old when I actually had a very big monumental experience. And I consider it a spiritual awakening just because there's just parts that I couldn't really understand about it, but it was very enlightening. Mm -hmm. 
and it transformed my entire mindset regarding life and myself. Uh, what happened was I was coming in from recess and I realized, I don't know how I realized this, um, but I realized that I was actually sad and that I wasn't, I was putting on a smile for everybody and pretending to be happy, but I actually was really sad inside. And I kind of investigated this. I, I wonder, well, what am I sad about? Like, why am I faking being happy? Why am I putting on a smile for people? And I was sad, I realized, well, I'm afraid people are gonna see me and they're, they're gonna see that I'm broken. And, and I said, and I questioned myself even more, like, why do I feel that way? Or that they're gonna see that I'm bad. I remember thinking they're gonna, they're, they're gonna see through my smile, they're gonna see and they're gonna, they're gonna think that I'm, that I'm gross and that I'm bad. And I realized it was because of the trauma I experienced when I was a toddler well, between three and five years old. And then I realized, holy cow, I'm still carrying around that trauma. I'm still feeling shameful, even though it was not my fault. I feel like everyone can see that I am damaged, right? Mm -hmm. And this shame, when it was brought up, it, it, it was very overwhelming, but shame, is a very low vibrating frequency. It's the lowest of all the emotions. And so how did I get from shame? How did I get out of that? The first thing that, that really lifted me out of that was anger. When you look at the frequencies of emotions on a scale with shame being the lowest and let's say enlightenment being the highest, you can, they can actually measure um, just like they can measure the frequency of brain waves. You know, you have your Delta, your, your uh, theta, alpha, and gamma brain waves, the way the neuro, um, the neurons uh, fire off. Yes. Well, the same with the emotions. They can actually measure the frequency, the vibrations of emotions. And, and it's, you can look it up, Google or whatnot. Uh, anger is right in the middle, actually. So it's not, a, it's not a bad emotion. It can be very helpful. And it's right in the middle before you start kicking it into the more the higher frequency, the, the more positive emotions that we can tap into. Mm -hmm. So anger was very helpful for me because I went from feeling shameful to getting angry. And I felt like no way is this, is what happened to me. And that man who really messed with my mind and my heart and my entire, like, you know, who messed so much up for me. I really, and my personal belief is, uh, and from my personal experience is that sexual trauma is a, is a wound that's felt on so many levels and, and down to the soul. Yes. Um, and so there's like the work has to be done on a soul level because it's, it cuts that deep, especially when you're a child, just not even especially for, for anyone, because um, I've worked with adults as well who, <clears throat> who have gone through that. And, you know, so once I, I got angry, I thought, no way, that person's not going to, he's not going to continue to ru ruin my life and control and, and, and keep me imprisoned and keep torturing me and keep tra traumatizing me. No way. And so that's when I started to claim my own happiness. I took ownership of my happiness that day. I wasn't gonna let someone from the past, a past experience, someone out there in the world who 
you know, he was back in that country, whatever, anybody, really anybody to control or to weigh on my happiness. And so from that day forward, I own my happiness and, and the way that, and then after that, in that moment, I thought, you know what I, and here's the part that's kind of like the spiritual awakening, because I, I don't know how this thought came in my mind, but I thought to myself, you know, this world, this earthly realm can do what it, what it has to do or whatever, whatever happens to my body, because I'll just share a little side story. I was a very sick kid growing up. I I was in and out of the hospital till I was seven. I had my kidney removed when I was seven and I had a lot of, um, respiratory issues, asthma, bronchitis, pneumonia, twice a year hospitalized. I was very sick um, till the age about seven, broke my arm three times <laughs> before the age of seven years old. I was, so this kind of has like a double-sided meaning for me when I said this world can do, you know, this earthly realm can do whatever it, it wants to do to this body. Um, I mean, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let people do whatever they want, but you know, what happens happens, but here's the concept that, that I connected with is that whatever happens in my physical body, nothing can ever touch my spirit. Nothing could ever touch the purity of my light and my spirit. That is pure. And that's when I was able to break free from that shame and realize that I am pure. You know, I was afraid people could see that I was dirty and that I was gross and that I was broken when none of that was my burden to carry. Mm -hmm. I was in light. So there's a little song that that I kind of closed this experience with when I was feeling into this, like my spiritual self, pure, light, positive, happy. Cause I remember thinking I was born a happy child. We're all born happy children. Exactly. And uh, so the, the song that I still to this day, it still makes me emotional, but um, it's uh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And that's really, that's where I, you know, that's, that's what I've been journeying with in this life. It's just not letting anyone take my, or anything or any experience ever take my light away. And for me to just keep letting it shine. And so that was the beginning of my healing journey um, that really set me on the course to start learning about uh, my happiness, my joy, what lights me up, bringing my heart into and not being afraid, just like, this is my heart. This is my joy. I'm going to share it. And <clears throat> I got into, uh, I, you would have found me in the, the self-help aisles of the bookstores as a teenager and in the libraries and looking, reading books. I started learning about energy and I started learning about meditation and uh, yeah, then I journeyed on and I ended up getting a degree in child development and family studies, which was a, like a real, it was like a deep dive into shadow work and inner child healing for me. Um, and then also really learning about healthy relationships. So how can I create this new legacy? Well, if I want to create a new legacy, yes, I need to heal myself. I need to know how to create that, that inner love and that peace. But how can, how can I make sure that I don't perpetuate this pain or whatever kind of pain? And how do I break free from what the past, what past parents, you know, and relationships may have relied on? Because as you know, there was a lot of divorces and I didn't want to, in my father's side of the family, I didn't want 
to have a divorce. I want to do everything in my power. So I studied healthy relationships and what is a healthy marriage? What are the, and then also looking into what are the things that actually break marriages? What are the things to be careful of and be mindful of? Uh, like communication when there's not good communication, you know, not uh, finances. There's so many different reasons why people often get divorced, even if they love each other. So I studied that. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's kind of, and uh, I guess to up, to up to speed here, since getting my degree, I've studied and cert gotten certifications and um, like NLP and hypnotherapy, different versions of energy healing uh, and life coaching. So yeah, and all of it was really just to, cause I was interested and passionate and wanted to keep learning. And I'm just now in the last year and a half now channeling and certain offering everything that I've learned and everything I've collected to uh, other women uh, before it was just really for my own healing. Now I'm starting to share it. That's wonderful. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your story um, and for allowing me to hold some of that with you. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks it for sounds, asking. Oh yeah, of course. Um, it sounds like you were a very insightful child. Um, and it also sounds like um, you had a level of trust with your mom um, that is really beautiful. Um, I, I'm so glad that you were able to speak with her um, and let her know um, what you had gone through. Um, the amount of strength that that takes is really admirable. Thank you. Yeah, she, her first, um, you know, I had to be transparent there. Um, I did trust to tell her, but I did it more for myself. Um, though, you know, her response was her first, th the first thing that came out of her mouth was I told you not to sit on anybody's lap. Yeah. So that was really hurtful. Um, and I dealt with that for a long time feeling, um, and I think that's why at the age of 10, I felt the shame because, uh, I had told my mom, but then she said that, and even though I, when I was seven, I knew, it, but it wasn't my fault. Like, what do you mean? Like, but there was like this part of me was like, oh, you asked, you asked for it. Like you sat on people, like, you know, it was just so weird. And, um, so I know that that was in entangled into that shame. Uh, and then as I got older, then I, when I realized I was still carrying that pain and that was like, I, when I would get triggered with my mother, you know, triggers are, triggers are messages from your subconscious that are saying like, Hey, there's something that still needs to be healed. Emotions are energy emotion. So when we get, when we get triggered and that emotion floods, it's because it's from the past and it's, it's still in, it's still entangled into our energy field and into our in our hearts and our minds and so uh, when I started realizing I was getting so triggered by my mother I had to really go inward you know do the shadow work explore that what is it and I was able to pin, pin, pinpoint that I was still very much hurt that she would say that and so I had a conversation with her like did you really think that did you really think that? Like, and so when I had a conversation with her as an adult, she's like, she told me, no, I'm so sorry. I, it was not your fault. And so it was very healing for me um, to have that conversation and for her to, to explain that and for my inner child to hear that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that is 
a perfect example of what can happen when we don't heal our own trauma. The response that your mom had to you was probably rooted in trauma of her own. And messages that she told herself when she was a child to try to make sense of anything that might have happened to her. Um, Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. So, and absolutely because I know, and then also her own pain, like she's, she had such a hard childhood mm -hmm. and I could tell that by her saying that it was the other message was like, but I tried my best to protect you. Like, you know, so it's kind of, uh, by her saying that it was like, but I tried to protect you, you know, and I wasn't blaming her. So I think part of her felt like she was her fault, you know, that it's all, it's all happening so fast, right. In our minds when we're in that moment to, so taking a deep breath and, and, self-regulating when we're feeling triggered or we get upset or we get received shocking news because once words come out they're hard to put back in right so yeah Yeah. there um, is also something that I've learned uh, from my therapist about uh, secondary trauma I believe is what she uh, called it and it's basically um, where someone has when you tell them about your trauma, um, if they aren't regulated enough, then they can respond almost as if the trauma happened to them. Mm. Um, which is, is again, just another reason to do this work so that if people do come to you and speak to you about something, you, you know, have that response that you logically want to have instead of that emotional response. Yes, that's very true. Very true. Now, I have been wanting to talk to you um, since you know, I let the audience know I sent you some questions that I was going to ask and you sent me what some of your responses would be. And you had talked about shadow work, and that is not something that I'm familiar with. Can you explain that a little bit? Oh, yes, absolutely. So shadow work is the, it's, it's the work of it's inner work pretty much, but it's really looking at the parts of ourselves that are, have been repressed, oppressed, have been cast away. And so really the, the wounded self is the shadow. So the shadow is, um, your shadow is your wounded self. And that's the part that the parts that are, that are aching, that are, that are um, hurt, that are judgmental. And I go into this into my work. It's, it can get kind of complex, but your wounded self has two aspects to it. Your inner critic and your inner victim. And by exploring your shadow and really bringing light to that part of you that, you know, it takes courage to do it, but it's liberating because then you're bringing it to the light. And when you bring what's non-conscious, when, for instance, if I was, if we were together and I was asking you questions, just like we do in all kinds of conversations, we've had conversations with your girlfriends, right? And they ask you a question that you hadn't thought about. You're like, wow, I never thought about that. It brings a light to something you hadn't thought about. And then you start to see the connections. Mm -hmm. So that's what shadow work does. Shadow work is about, it's about recognizing what's the issue. What's going on in your life that you're having a problem with? What's a repeating pattern that is really sabotaging your own happiness, for instance, or your own success? For instance, um, big ones that 
anybody can really start to question or to recognize is, do you have, um, is, are you a perfectionist? Are you a people pleaser? Uh, these are parts of the shadow. These are part of the wounded self. Uh, when, if you believe that you need to be perfect in order to be accepted, to be loved, or to be, to feel accomplished, then you've got an issue with your own self-worth. You, where did that come from? It was obvious most of the time it's conditioned right? Yes. Be perfect. Be perfect. I love you. Oh, you're such a good girl. You're, oh, you're, wow. You know, it's this concept of you're a good girl. I don't use that terms with my, with my boys. They're always, they're always good. Now, do they sometimes make poor decisions? Yes. We talk about decisions, but it never defines who they are. And that's part of my conscious parenting uh, practice is one of the things that I want to protect in their childhood is their sense of self-worth always at any cost. And because I feel that the, our sense of self-worth is so fractured and so uh, wounded by the time we're an adult based on all these conditionings and these programmings. Uh, so programming is like, is what people say to us. So maybe if you have someone who is a perfectionist, did you receive messages that you need to be perfect. You know, what does that mean to you? Why are you so entangled in perfectionism? Same with people pleasing, another very common one. Uh, where is this desire? Why do you feel that your sense of self-worth is only determined or only validated by how you serve others and how you please others? What are you abandoning within yourself? And that's another key piece is that when you do the shadow work, you're first, you're recognizing this is awakening the self-awareness. What's going on? Why, what is these, what are these habits? What, and then investigating, digging into it. Okay. Exploring. And there's, I have different strategies for investigating these things that either you feel stuck, you have issues, relationship. Uh, and if there's relationship issues, whenever I work with someone who has relationship issues, it's never about the other person. It's, I always direct back to the individual I'm working with. And recently had a really amazing session with a woman and it was profound breakthrough. And we discovered that it was her own inner child that was longing to be loved in this certain way. And what was interesting is that the way that her inner child wanted to be loved was actually programmed mm -hmm. by her parents. Uh, I'll elaborate. <clears throat> This individual, she wanted to have her husband give her gifts, like thoughtful gifts as, a, as her love language. And this was really causing stress in her relationship. They've been in for, together for a long time, very still love each other, but she's, she just felt like he could never, he never gets me thoughtful gifts. And she said, that's my love language. Well, I said, okay, let's talk about this then. Uh, so we explored it, we investigated it. And what we discovered was between two years old and nine years old, her parents were flight attendants. They were never home. And so she stayed with nannies, she stayed with family members and she missed them. She wanted them so much. And I asked her when we were investigating, we were talking and she, she, we pinpointed that she felt unworthy and if her not receiving these gifts from her husband, these thoughtful gifts made her feel unworthy that he couldn't change and that, that it tied into her sense of self-worth. So I asked her a, a very key question, and this is what unraveled the knot. And this is part of shadow work. I said, okay, let me ask you this. 
when your parents would return, they weren't around, they were gone all along. You were saying we're different. How did they show you their love? And she said, well, she goes, oh, wow. They would get me, they would bring me back gifts. They would go all out for my birthday. I said, oh, okay. And what did you want more than anything than the gifts? And you could tell, I mean, there was, you could hear a pin drop. And my heart stopped as she pieced this together. She said, I wanted them home. I wanted them with me. And I said, okay, does your husband give you that? She says, yeah, she starts crying. She's like, he is always there for me. They've been together for almost 20 years always been there for me. He's such a great father. He's so present with our, with our children. And she just, she realized that this wound, this issue in her relationship that she felt need like rep reflected his love for her was actually a wound from her childhood. And yeah. And that this was programmed, you know, this belief about how she's love was actually, was actually conditioning, not programming was actually conditioning. Um, so the difference between conditioning and, uh, programming is, uh, when you're conditioned, like you, you do something when you're a little, like a little girl and you're, and you receive praise or you receive, uh, recognition or love because you did something, then you want to keep doing that. Programming is when you're told something. So, uh, if someone's told you're worth, you know, you're worthless or you're, uh, you're. Oh, you're too, you're too much, you're too hyper, all these things, right? These are things that get programmed into our mind and it can be positive or negative, right? It's, it's, it's just a concept. And so we can program our children to be very empowered, right? We can condition our children to be very empowered. It's going to happen no matter what, because we're human beings. Sure. Um, so that's an example of shadow work uh, is the, the three steps that I, that I um, guide people through is to recognize, investigate, and then pinpoint. So what we did with, with this um, individual I was just telling you about, we pinpointed what was the limiting belief, what was the core wound. Mm-hmm. And once you can pinpoint it, that's when you start making, that's when you start creating transformation. Uh, and it's not, I just want to let people know this too, that a lot of people get stuck in self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And self-awareness is not enough. We have to also take loving action. There has to be solutions. What are the next steps? Yes. Because yeah. So shadow work is only one piece of the healing journey. Yes. Thank you for explaining that. It reminds me, um, of, and it's probably very similar to core beliefs, um, and, and finding out where your core beliefs come from. Um, that was something that was key to my healing journey was understanding that. And it's very similar to the shadow work. I think we just go through life on autopilot so much. We have these thoughts running through our brain all day long, and we don't even realize that they're playing in the background. And so it's so important to take that pause, like you said, and really investigate those thoughts and, and, like you said, pinpoint them, figure out, you know, what is that limiting belief um, and then find out where it comes from. Cause you can't really heal it if you don't know where it comes from. Oh, absolutely. And it really does take investigating and bringing a light to those parts because you're right. We, our non-conscious mind is operating 24 seven. It's, it's 
billions, maybe trillions of, of thoughts, you know, going on. And we are only conscious of 5% wow. of our thoughts and our behaviors. And it's the 90, other 95% is the, is non-conscious. So the subconscious mind, and a lot of people get it confused, but uh, the subconscious mind is right when you're just aware and you're able to access that just awareness when you, that's why meditation is fantastic. Um, you know, hypnotherapy is great too. Uh, I really love meditation because I, I, I like, uh, and you can self-hypnose yourself as well, but slowing down, relaxing the mind. But another way that the subconscious mind speaks to us, and a lot of times we're not aware, or we, we can be just aware, but we ignore it, triggers our emotions. When we, if we can pay attention to the subconscious mind communicating through our body, like, oh, you're triggered. That's the non-conscious is trying to tell you there's inner conflict going on. There's like, there's a, a there is a programming that's kind of messing things up in here, you know, this yes. belief. So, so we have to, we have to tune into our body a lot of times. And I, I actually am very passionate about this because we live in a world that's so, and we live in a society and a culture that's very much like in the mind. Right. And we're on our phones or TV or we're, we're shoving down what we feel and we're trying, we're abandoning ourselves and we're disconnected to our body and, and therefore we're disconnected with our intuition. Mm -hmm. The more that we can slow down, clear our mind and, and get into our bodies. And that's why meditation can be great. Well, I mean, sometimes you can go into higher consciousness, but you can also come into a stillness and ground yourself and come into the body to awaken that intuition mm -hmm. so that you can feel in and you can start to access those the answers to your questions. I really believe we have all the wisdom, the love and the guidance that we need within our being and that we can connect with that. And, and I also believe we can connect with creating divine connection um, so that we can heal and we can develop timeless wisdom and unconditional love for ourselves. That's amazing. And I, I think that unconditional love is key because um, so much of, uh, of our minds don't feel unconditionally loved. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really something that you need to, to give yourself. I love that. So yeah, talked, it's, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it, that's huge. And I know that um, in, the, in the interview questions that you had sent, I mentioned inner bonding. So if you wanna go into that a little bit in a little bit, we can do that to talk about that inner love. Yes, great minds think alike. That was where I was headed. <laughs> so we talked about shadow work a little bit. Um, and that was part of the question that I asked you, what are your top three strategies for breaking cycles and self-healing? So you yeah. said shadow work and then inner bonding. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, the inner bonding. Uh, so inner bonding is the it's a cultivated practice for loving yourself, but there are, so it goes back to that wounded self that I mentioned in shadow work. We have our inner critic and our inner victim. And so how do you, how do you connect with those parts of you that are hurt? Well, you can activate parts of yourself uh, to give those aspects love, attention and to help them think in a different way 
I know it sounds a little, a little strange, but it's done through meditation. It's done through the guided meditations is done through journaling, uh, where you start to have a bond with your inner child and you start to empower your inner child. But first you can't really empower your inner child until you help heal the inner child. And that requires love and attention and validation, validating that part of yourself, learning how to communicate to that, that part, those parts of yourself. See, I believe the inner child is actually two parts before what happens is when you have an empowered inner child, it's, it's just one part, but when you have a wounded, when your inner child is wounded, that's the wounded, what I call the wounded self. We actually have two aspects of our wounded inner, like our inner child. We have the inner victim. That's uh, let me start with the inner victim. Yeah. The inner victim. That's the part that's wanted. That's scared. That's confused. That's um, that's still so hurt and sad. And, and oftentimes is blaming other people. And when you know that someone's ha- you know, when someone's inner victim is ruling their life, when they're living in victimhood, it's everybody's fault. No one ever gives me enough, you know, love. I do everything and I never get anything in return. There's like this broken record play. Mm-hmm. Um, in their dialogue. And I, I noticed this with a lot of, um, of my peers that have some, some of them have mothers that are still stuck in victimhood. And even women that I've worked with, um, older women that have not dealt with their traumas, they're stuck in victimhood. It's everybody's fault and they don't see it. And what's happening is they're, they're self-sabotaging their own happiness because they're putting all that power into other people. And I believe we have to own the satisfaction that we wanna create in our lives. It can't be ever, it can't be others. So part of that is that inner bonding is, is, is learning how to love that part. So there's the inner victim and the other aspect of uh, the wounded self, which is that inner child, as I mentioned, is the inner critic we have. And usually it's like an older part, like a slightly older um, inner child aspect. It's that part of us that's, that tells us you should be the, you should be doing this. You're not doing enough. You're, you know, you know how that goes, right? We get in our heads and we start shaming ourselves. We start shitting on ourselves saying you should have said this, or you shouldn't have said that, or you should do, you should know better. And usually this voice is from someone that we grew up with in our life. It's usually a collection of voices. It can be like, not when I, when I say collection of voices, I don't mean multiple voices. It's just one inner critic, but it could be like, it sounds like your mom or your dad, or it sounded like your grandparent, or it sounds like, it sounds like society, like what women, what they say about women, right? Mm-hmm. Like these, there's many like program beliefs where we, we criticize ourselves. So this self-criticism and self-judgment, this inner critic, it drives shame. And then our inner victim feels the shame and then it cycles. And that's why we go into these, what I call you know, symptoms is anxiety and depression because our inner, our inner dialogue is, is out of alignment and it's self-destructing. And that's why we, we go into, and if we're not conscious of it and we think that there's something wrong with us, we think that we're what, you know, that we can't change or that we need medication and that we can't figure this out or I need to talk about it. But for me, the solution, I, think the solution is really first coming aware self-awareness of this inner dialogue and then healing the inner dialogue uh, waking up a loving inner parent to speak to these parts mm-hmm. to heal and I so there's a whole process and uh and and it can be easily looked up too. It, inner bonding if someone wants to look it up or reach out to me of course 
I hope that's helpful. I hope that I explained it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That is helpful. Um, and I, I love that you call it inner bounding uh, because you really do have to um, recognize that part that is saying, I call her my inner mean girl. Uh, <laughs> who yeah. is, you have to recognize that part that's that's telling you those stories that really aren't true. And you you have to challenge them like a parent would. Um, if yeah. a child was saying terrible things about themselves and, um, you know, if my, if my child's saying, you know, I can't do anything right. I'm, I'm just, I'm so terrible at this. Then as a parent, I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, you know, that's not true. Look at these things that you do. I'm going to challenge that. And I, I think that's part of that inner bonding, uh, that you're talking about is, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's actually a, that's part of the process is like, once you arrive to, to really um, calming down those parts, big part is saying the truth is, you know, what actually the truth is. So using that language is what you were just saying is it's totally in alignment. Um, And, you know, that, that inner, what you call the inner mean girl or the inner critic, it's actually a part of us that was developed to create safety it was Mm -hmm. it's it's part of survival so that inner critic in us is trying to protect us it's trying to keep us safe and it's and it's it's a part of us that developed because we were trying to to fit in we were trying to avoid being punished we were you know wanting to be loved and and feel belonging and so part of communicating to that inner that inner critic is is saying thank you i see that you're really trying to help that you're trying to help me and I know that your intentions are good, but those are, that's not true anymore because a lot of these beliefs that we developed or these, these uh, strategies or whatnot were developed when we were little kids mm-hmm. and in order to survive, like I said, in order to belong, they're just, they don't serve us anymore as adults. They're actually holding us back. They're keeping us stuck. So communicating, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for trying to help you don't need to, you don't need to worry about that anymore because yes. it, it doesn't work. I'm going to take over now. Yes, right. Absolutely. I love that. So we have um, our strategies for breaking cycles and self-healing. We've talked about shadow work and we've talked about inner bonding. And the third one that you said was relearning love. Yes. So for me, um, especially for a break, for being a cycle breaker, it's as you know, I am going and getting my degree in child development and family studies and studying about a lot about families and healthy relationships. And uh, along the way, even when you're healing, you realize that the way that you've been loving yourself is actually not healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And so that you have to relearn, well, how can I truly love myself? And that's part of the inner bonding, but then in your relationships. So uh I guess for me, this one's kind of a tough one um, where the way it's formulating, because I I am actually going to be creating this as a part of the next, the the other half of the work that I do. But I remember thinking when I was younger, this isn't love. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not being listened to. Uh, I'm being, I'm being ignored. Oh, this is another thing. I saw a lot of hypocrisy growing up. Uh, in well, don't do my as mom I do, do as I say. Yes, exactly. A lot of hypocrisy, and I grew up in a uh, in a 
church in the church um it was a church school and even i went to a catholic church as well as lutheran and uh, i love the lutheran church it's but even still i and i think that any church or organization they all have nothing's ever perfect but one thing that i really noticed was hypocrisy and i thought that's not true love i don't i don't think that that's true love okay so then i started questioning that and i started studying okay so a big part of real love is obviously being honest, but the other part is not projecting our pain. Uh, that's another huge piece of, of re relearning love is that, oh, this, okay. I noticed that they say along the way, they, they would say, oh yeah, we, we often take out our frustrations and take out our, our you know, anger on the people closest to us right? Yes. So I experienced that as a little girl. My mom was a loose cannon. She was uh, constantly projecting her pain onto us, the kiddos. And, and we were just, we felt emotionally, like emotional hostages. I like just didn't know what, what kind of move she was going to come in at when she was home. You know, we hear that the keys, we were latchkey kids. So we hear the keys um, in the dorm. We would like freak out, like, oh God, like, what's like, do something, you know? And so I just, the panic. And then I noticed that like in relationships, when I was, I started dating and whatnot, um, even with when my friends are dating and things like that, I started noticing that over time when they would get comfortable in their relationship, if they were frustrated or feeling moody, they would take it out on their loved one. And I thought that's not true love. That's not real love. You don't, you don't make the person that you love the most who's your part, you know, your partner in life, you don't make them your emotional punching bag. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not yeah. cool. That's not, that's not real love. So then what do you do instead? Well, a lot of people are not equipped because we're not taught this in school to one self-regulate how to self-regulate Two, emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. which is part of a, which self-regulation falls under that. But what I mean by that is how to communicate, what's effective communication. We're not, a lot of children are not taught. I mean, they are now, I think there's definitely a movement, but instead of taking out, if you're feeling moody or you're feeling anger or you're feeling triggered or whatever, instead of taking it out on your loved one, you say, you know what, I'm feeling this way right now. And I don't want to say something that's going to hurt you. And I, um, I need to step away for a moment, or I don't, I don't want, you know, that that's part of relearning love is, is learning what's actually not healthy, that is seems so common in relationships these days. Sure. And part of that is, you know, learning to, to deal with your stuff. <laughs> so that's kind of a realm that I'm still maybe we'll do another podcast on that, because that part's still evolving. Mm -hmm. um, I had to relearn love, but I, I'm not quite there yet. And how I can, I haven't, gotten to the point where I can really teach it yet. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, th thank you very much for sharing that. And it's, it's so true that you do have to relearn love and how to love when you, um, and I think everyone does to an extent, not everyone has uh, a, a, an extremely traumatic childhood, but I think everyone has things that, you know, no parents are perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. Hopefully, when our kids are older, they're going to break whatever cycles we have not been able to, to break ourselves. 
Um, but when you come from a background, I too come from a, a background with a lot of trauma. Um, and when that's what you have as a child, that's almost what you view as love, right? That's why a lot of people who are abused when their children become abused partners when they're older, because um, it, it just, it looks like love to them. Um, there is someone who I follow on Instagram, um, the holistic psychologist, I believe is her handle. And yeah. she um, Dr. posted, LaPera. Dr. what? Dr. Nicole LaPera? Yes, yeah. yeah. And she uh, had a post uh, not too long ago that said red flags don't look like red flags when they feel like home. Mm -hmm. And that really struck a chord with me. And it goes along with that relearning love. You know, it, it doesn't look like abuse necessarily when it's home and that's what you've lived with, or it doesn't look like trauma. It looks like love because that's all you know. Wow. Um, so yeah, you definitely need to, to relearn that. And that is such a, a hard thing to do. I, I can understand why it's something that you want to get into and yeah we'll definitely have to do another podcast for that and I'm going to remember that that red flag that message because that's that is a big piece and that's you know when it when you're not looking at like doing the shadow work regarding your your upbringing that's another part, for, form of shadow work is looking at your upbringing what was the what were the family dynamics like what were the types of attachments what was how what kind of um consequences did you receive was there were your parents emotionally immature you know there's so many different factors that do influence the like you said the way that you view love or the way that you were parented and um and that impacts your sense of self and so i'm definitely remember that red flags for when that comes together because you have a lot of individuals that are getting in relationships with um and, you know being codependent and trauma bonding and those are that's not love that's not true love uh we especially codependence codependency because you're not loving yourself i i really believe that when we love ourselves there's a there's an inner bond and that we're relying on ourselves for our, our happiness and our satisfaction in life we are a full cup then we have our partner, our spouse, they only make our cups overflow and they're in charge of their own happiness and their own sense of self-worth. Mm -hmm. If I relied on my husband to make me feel worthy, if I relied on my husband in order to make me feel like to bring me happiness and life satisfaction, it's, that's, that's, un, that's not true love. True love are two individuals that are, their cups are full and they bring and they overflow each other's cups and it it's synergy there's more and more and I'm telling you that I want this for everyone because I experience it and I've been in this loving conscious beautiful relationship and in love for almost 15 years and and I didn't wait till I was healed until before I entered this relationship I healed a lot through this loving this loving bond but I never took out my pain on him. And I find that a lot of women do that and they sabotage their relationships. So, and I just, it breaks my heart. So 
yeah, there's, there's still a lot more to be uncovered and to talk about that. Thank you. This is very fun for me. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's, it's amazing. There's so many layers. It's like an onion peeling back all of them. Totally. So I did see, um, some information on your cycle breakers club. You have, um, a course offering that you have coming up. Yes. So, um, yes. And so the cycle breakers club is really a, it's a virtual space for survivors of adverse childhood experiences that you want to grow and want to heal and just are really committed to being the change that the world needs. And so I think that as it, it evolves, it's going to be its own, just kind of more of a, of a community. Uh, my, my course, I'm actually going to position it with my soulful connection, healing coaching practice. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have a link on there for that. Um, and so that course will be through there. Um, it's all kind of, it's all evolving and, and I'm okay with that. And I don't have, um, it's not exactly where it hasn't arrived where it's meant to arrive yet. It's still unfolding and, and it's going to happen. I really, I think this year, maybe by June. Um, but my course is, it's break free. And it's a, it's a master yourself healing mentorship program. Mm -hmm. And what I teach is how you can self-heal pretty much the strategies for self-healing, everything, all the tools and the strategies that are, that are taught. We address what's, what's keeping you stuck right now, what emotional wounds and, and you may not know what limiting beliefs we uncover that in the process. But the break free part is a lot of times we feel anchored. We feel stuck. We're wanting to grow. We want to move forward. We're like, what is it? Why can't I move forward? And so that's part of the, the process is to uncover. I help, I, we do one-on-one sessions and I help uncover uh, what's at the core. And then I help you clear it. I help you transform it because as we know, neuroplasticity, we can we can smooth out those neural pathways that were created out of trauma and we can reform new neural pathways. And so that are empowering, you know, empowering beliefs and clearing that emotional, those emotional wounds. So yeah, the break free program, there's a, a lot of one-on-one and then I have, it's, there's classes. I, there's a lot of lessons where I teach all these strategies and tools and I try to simplify it as, as best as possible. It's very enlightening. Uh, and these are things that you can carry on for the rest of your life. And I, I still use it to this day, of course, and cause it's layers. We just, we, we keep growing in layers and evolving. And it's part of this experience, uh, of this lifetime to just continue evolving. And we know now that the brain doesn't just form and stop growing. It can keep growing till the day that we die. So I am all about that growth mindset. I'm about intrinsic motivation, living a life from within and, and being inspired to take action and to grow. And I love seeing my, I love seeing my associates, the women that I work with break free from emotional wounds and break free from the past and limiting beliefs and start claiming their life and start claiming the satisfaction that they want to create in with for themselves for their relationships and for their endeavors absolutely now if someone wanted to uh, work with you if they wanted to join that class how would they get in contact with you 
currently the 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 two best ways right now there is to either email me which i'll i can give you my email address you can put it on this podcast if you want sure uh, yeah okay cool and then um or you can you can go to the instagram handle uh the cycle breakers club and you can dm me uh those are two ways for now wonderful yeah i'll include both your handle and your email address in the show notes so that people can get a contact with you if they'd like to. Thank you. I have had so much fun speaking with you today. This has been wonderful. Thank you. I did too. Thanks so much for allowing me this platform to share just bits of parts of my life, my inspiration and, and listening. And, and I felt the connection as well, you know, being like-minded and like-hearted. So thank you. Yes, definitely. Me too. Thank you. I do have one more question to close out um, our interview today. If you could say one thing to someone who's at the beginning of their healing journey, what would it be? It would be to own your happiness. Don't rely on anyone else to supply it for you. In doing that, you're going to then create the life relationships and self-love you've always desired. So whatever that first step is to start owning your happiness, move in that direction. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. I really, again, appreciate you speaking with me today and I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you. I did too. I look forward to our next one. Yes, me too. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. I thought it was amazing and I'm so excited to interview Vanessa again. She is a great uh, resource for healing your childhood trauma. So definitely go give her a follow and um, check her out. Um, I do want to end this episode with our affirmation. I want you to close your eyes if you can and take a deep breath and say to yourself, I am strong. I am good and I am worthy of all the love in the world and you most certainly are. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next week.